Hey guys, it's me again, Jeanette, your uh, feminine portion of So Many Wrong Notes podcast. And today, I'll be bringing you part two of my interview with Jonathan Tsai as part of our Awesome Person series in which we interview awesome people doing awesome things in music today. And I get to say awesome a lot. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh, that's a tongue twister. Okay, hope you enjoy. Okay, so stupid questions. Yes, yeah. I've and, been and waiting for this. Okay. <laughs> well, one is probably what you would expect, right? Wait, hold so on a second. Mary Kill. Oh yes. Uh, Elaine Grimaud. Is that how you say her name? Elaine Grimaud. Yeah, we. Oui. Elaine Grimaud. Martha Argerich. Are you Joanne? It's a pretty easy one. I love this. Can I just fuck all three of them? <laughs> no, that oh. is not the rules of the game. Okay. Um, <laughs> can we just play fuck, fuck, and fuck? No, because I don't want to kill any of them. I love them all. I love them all. You have to pick. So okay, Yuja, she's a fantastic musician, Mm. and she would be really oh, she's got strong thighs. She really does. She loves showing them off too. Again, that's okay. She's she's a libertine. I I, no no okay. I fuck Yuja. Mm -hmm. I marry Martha, Mm -hmm. and I kill Ellen good choice that's what i would have picked yeah because like argerich she's such an institution and and the more i listen like at first i would i admired her because she had this fucking just tremendous technique and everything was so easy and everything just happens naturally and she would have i just listened to her recording of the wc cello sonata where she played cello no it was uh misha maisky (laughs) playing cello and it was a live recording and it was just so wild so free and then when i was listening to her chopin concerto which was live right i don't agree with everything but there's just such a freedom and it's just like oh my god this is she's a force of nature like you can't pin her down in any way like uh chopin preludes my favorite recording ever because she just actually plays 16 the way it's supposed to be i i okay i'm just gonna have to listen to that now uh over the headphones for the rest oh, of the podcast i recommend time. you listening to polini first on specifically prelude 16 and then you listen to argridge on 16 and you're just like oh that's the difference yeah <laughs> it's like the most extreme opposite you could get well it's it's unhinged i i i i, I mean and it's like you might not agree with it, but it's coming, and and you are just drawn into Swept. it. And you're just gonna go. Yeah, Yuja, I have, I, Yuja, I think is the next coming of a Martha type. She's, I think people pay attention to her because she's like wear short skirts, whether it's good or bad. But she is actually a fantastic musician. She is, and yeah. Like it's somebody that I would be so intimidated to be in the same room with them, but I would like to be that someday. <laughs> You know what I mean? Well, two things about Yuja Wang is like she she's the next big thing, but in a completely different way because um, she is very precise and very well shaped. Like it's not unhinged in any way. It's the opposite of that. Like, yes. Yes. But I think that her dressing the way she does is really good for us, as, especially as a female pianist. Right. The sexualization of I hear you, music, girl. Right. Yeah. But the fact is, is that you can't. You can't just like poo-poo her and be like, "Oh, she, we don't take her seriously because you have to take her seriously. Like she demands it. She's that good." Right. So She's Tatiana Nikolaeva, like if she dressed like that. Oh God. <laughs> Babushka. <laughs> like you know, Yuja Wang looks good without makeup. Yes. Like, no, no, no. I I think she's she's legit and she's the one for this era. 
Okay, so second question. Um, what would be your superpower as a classical musician if you could have one? Like a party trick? No, I was going to say, like, I want to hear your origin story as a Marvel superhero, but that would take too long. So it's more just like, you know, like if you could fly. As a as not. a pianist or like, yeah, a, just like, like what, a pianistic what, trick? No, like what power do you think would actually like be an ideal as a pianist? Uh, the ability to slow down time. So, so that you could like stop something from happening when you knew it was going to happen? Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I performed in concert and gone like, oh shit, <laughs> because yeah, you know, there's so many things that happen automatically. Yeah, that will affect you for multiple measures. Yeah, it's true. You yeah. know that that um, I know my tendencies, and my practice is to avoid those tendencies. But sometimes in concert. If it's a little later than you think it is going to be yeah. or whatever, it's just like, God damn it. Like, I, Or just if you have the thought that you're going to screw up here, it will happen. Yes. Like the fact that you just had that thought. You're like, fuck. Like, yes. It, it's, it's, it's done. It's yeah. done. And, and I mean, I feel bad. Again, talking for my aforementioned painfully platonic friend, Chloe, who I play concerts with, that... I wish I could do better sometimes because, like, some people that collaborate with people are totally cool under the knife. I was missing handfuls <laughs> of notes that I've never missed handfuls of before because of some random thing that, like, just just a thought. And it's just like, wh- what the hell? Like, I practiced this, you know? Oh, oh, my God. That was my entire first year on the job. Really? Like, But you don't oh make my- mistakes Be- now. No, I, I make just less of them, but I make a shit ton of mistakes. No, I mean, like, I mean, it was a little crazy. In the heavy season, it's three separate concerts every week with wow. different repertoire. And, like, for a pianist, you know how fucked up that is. Yes. Because it's, like, for a quartet one day, Dvorak quintet the next, Brahms quintet the next, Brahms quartet the next, and then you have to oh play God. all this other shit. And then, like, I don't know. I mean, the rep I picked was ridiculous. And then I decided to play pictures in exhibition because I, I, that was on my hump list did you use but, did you use music at least yeah, i had to yeah because i had two weeks to learn the piece like of <laughs> course i had to like that was the first thing i had to give up Jeanette, like, I what the hell? Shit. anyways yeah I mean, yeah do you ever okay let me ask you this now this is your this is your podcast but i'm interviewing you that's fine so <laughs> i've had this realization or this this thought that as a freelance musician, for the most part, we go through two stages. We go through either stressing out that we have no work or stressing out that we have too much work. Right. Yeah. Is that just a, that, that's a trope, right? That's, that's all we do. Mm-hmm. And we assign yeah. ourselves these really ambitious projects that we're just like, why did we choose this in the moment of it? Because we think in the future, we're going to be a better person. Do, do yeah. you, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the most common uh, habit that you get into, right? Like, yeah. you don't practice enough, and then you're always unprepared. But the thing is, it, it's like somebody in a bad relationship, right? Like, you get used to being treated a certain way. It's like, uh, the only way I know how to work are somebody else, like, not just me specifically, but, right. like, is to be unprepared all the time. And it's just, like, 
you don't know how else to work. You don't know how to balance your time. You don't know how to be disciplined. Well, because just, you you always have have danced that close to the fire of right. just really just completely fucking up a performance. That, yeah. that you're just like, well, I got away with it that time. Maybe next time I can just inch a little bit closer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think it happens most and it's it probably, I think we've talked about this before, but like it happens most to people who are good sight readers, who are like quick under feet. You know what I mean? Yes. So like sometimes it might pay off and that's just enough validation for you to just continue your way of life, which is not really working at all. Can I tell you one really validating moment for me that happened like a month ago? Yes. This is for you to talk about yourself in the most Yes, thank you. Possible. This is, oh my God. <laughs> so the, the Clyburn International Competition is happening this year, this May. Or oh, June. is it? Oh man, I'm really not in touch with the piano world anymore. I know, neither am I. But like, so. You live there though. I, I am related to somebody that was an ex-girlfriend of somebody that was doing the live auditions in Fort Worth. We actually sight read a couple of the planets, and then he wanted to sight read something that uh, I've never looked at before, which is the Debussy Blanket Noir. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we did a couple, and he's like, you're a really good sight reader. And I've never been a good sight reader. Really? Never. I feel like I, I just knew that about you, that you were a good sight reader. No, I was terrible. Jeanette, okay, but do you remember when I went and visited you in New York? And then, like yeah, you're Julia. playing Mozart, you're you were you were doing Mozart twenty. Oh, it must have been for the competition. Yeah, yeah. and so like I sight read that whole thing, and I felt so bad the entire way through because I was like, I'm playing like ten percent of the notes. Like I was a <laughs> terrible sight reader until I had to be better at sight reading. So you actually worked on it. Yeah, but it cost me like my skin, my beautiful skin, which is no longer beautiful, and like. No. What? No, like. <laughs> so, like you after took I came acid out, acid baths every night to get better at sight reading. No, so after I came out of doctorate, right, and I was in grad school, I came back home. Like I mm-hmm. was just like, at my parents' house doing jack shit. I was doing nothing, and I. Oh, tried you mean to reach... as a companist? No, as as be... as anything. Like oh, there okay. was no work for me, save some of this right. outreach, <clears throat> and the outreach was a lot less back then. Right. Um, and so eventually I started taking some accompanying gigs and then a company mm-hmm. became like the mainstay of my, of my livelihood for a little bit. But That's like, again, happens, right? I, I, I overdid a little bit and I was, even yeah. they were just like really small pieces, like pedagogical things for stuff. It was just too much, you know? Yeah. And no, like, I, I've been there too not as bad as you but vocal works and like whatever and they got to the point where like i still have these stress rashes (laughs) that i i I never had before then huh and i would grind my teeth at night you know i started grinding my teeth apparently like i went to the dentist they're like you grind your teeth and i was like what am i that stressed yeah (laughs) like i don't remember doing that and i and and i think it was during that time that i learned how to not sight read better but just kind of fake well, that's what it is. That's what a DMA is, professional faking. I mean, yeah, that's true. It's what you learn. <laughs> yeah, that 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 skill. is that is very they true. They don't teach you anything else, but okay, you are likable. You say you're shy about self-promotion, but I think one of the things that I found really cool about you is that you know, one of the first people on you who has a website, right? You call it your own megalomania. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> oh shit, like Jeanette, way 12 deep years dive. ago, I think. <laughs> oh my god. No, but, I mean, it, it struck me because that was the first time I met another pianist who had a website. Like, I was just like, oh, 
somebody <laughs> who actually does this. And and the thing is, the way you said it was very like nonchalant, and it seemed like yes, you are aware people might think a certain thing about you having a website, but you didn't care. And I really like that. It's like when somebody knows they act in a certain way that would garner insults, and they don't give a shit. Like it's like I know that. So it's like doing porn, I guess. I've never done porn, but like like getting over yourself, right? <laughs> well, no, no. So like I think back in the day. It used to be if you were in that, that was like a, that was a mark because everybody knew who you were. You're one of the cursed few that did that. Right. But there's so many people that do it now. And it's a little bit anonymous. And also the status of porn stars is going up with the Shasha Gray and the James Dean. They actually turn out to be articulate. But James Dean's, James Dean's a little bit a bad example because isn't he like involved with a lot of lawsuits now? Is he? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't read porn daily news. Sorry. Uh, neither do I. I was just asking you if you, <laughs> you did. Um, no, but like, so promoting yourself, again, you're going to have haters. You're not the best. You are never the best, but you got to go out and get yours. Right. That's a great thing that you just said, because like, you should never go into music to be the best. That no, is like no, 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 such no. a losing battle. Yeah. You feel like you have something to say. You should go and do it. It's that important to you, but only if it's that important to you, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that um, we all do it for a certain reason. And if it's fame or money, you would have quit by now. Mark just said, like, this is my graduate school teacher. He was like, I resigned myself to the fact that I am going to wash dishes for a living for the rest of my life. Right. And anything else that I can make above that as a musician, is a bonus. Yeah. My my whole philosophy of my musical career, because it's something that nobody in my family really has, my whole idea was, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, but I know that there have been people who have placed trust and faith in me to do well. Mm-hmm. My teachers, some other people that have, I've worked with, like my mentors, Arkadi, Buddy, you know, um, yeah. I want to make sure that I make them proud. That is my biggest inspiration is not because it's myself. It's because, well, it's kind of cyclical. I don't really have too much faith in myself. But then I meet somebody along the way who really has faith in me. And I, you know, Dr. Leone, like I was really an unpolished student, you know, but she saw something and, and, and she, she made a lot of risks to get me into SMU and I was there and my mm-hmm. whole goal there was like, don't let her down. Don't let Mark yeah. down. Don't let Buddy down. Just like fucking do your work to the best of your ability so that they can put you in the pantheon of people they were proud of that they took a chance on. That is so much my way of thinking too. Like, uh, Don't fuck it up for I, the people who try to, exactly. to make it work for you. Yeah. I mean... Um, and I wonder how much that is actually like an Asian thought. But it could be, but it could also be just like put faith in the people that put faith in you. When I went to Michigan for DMA, I was really in a bad state, but the fact was that Logan really believed in me. Yeah. And it was it was uh, enough to really make me work as hard as I have. I like I, I wasn't working hard at all. Yeah, yeah, so, no. It's, I mean, it's... it was the only motivation I needed. Exactly. You just need somebody to to put faith in you. So Dr. Leone, Mark, Buddy, Cotty, 
anybody who took chance on me or Nicolette, even the person that employed me at a at a school, which I was not qualified to teach at until like three or four years into my teaching experience. And then I left. But like people who <laughs> Wait, is that what school is that Suzuki Music Institute of Dallas, you know, and I, okay. I, I believe I'm on good terms with them. Nicolette took a chance on me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I want to make you proud, even though I'm not there anymore. Like, basically, anybody who take a chance on me, I want to do a good job for. Well, sort of, uh, to play the devil's advocate, what if you don't have anyone? What if you never had the benefit of having a mentor? Oh, shit. What kind of thinking would you have then? <laughs> That's tough. I mean, I remember part of the thing that I had coming out of my doctorate studies, like, I self-produced the CD. You know, I had friends mm-hmm. help me with it, but I edited and I... You know, send it off to whatever organization does the printing and reproduction stuff. CD Baby? Yes, CD Baby. I guess it's a plug for the best prices. Yeah, the best prices. It's on Spotify. It's on whatever. But then even with that, and I sent off a whole bunch of CDs to a lot of orchestras and a whole lot of Mm -hmm. stuff like, hey, I'm this pianist that just graduated with your doctorate. Hire me because you would be happy to have me as, you know, a soloist with your orchestra or whatever. You did that? Good for you. I never even did that. Guess how many gigs I got out of that? Fucking zero. <laughs> zero. Well, I mean, the fact that you did that is pretty impressive, I have to say. I was desperate. Desperate yeah. times call for desperate measures. Like, I... I uh, uh, anyway, what I, what I meant by that is that... Um, well, I'll, this will tie itself into another thing I'm going to talk about. Because... Okay. There, that was a chance where I had nothing and I had whatever. But then I had to ask people basically like for stuff. And so yeah. I taught at a ch- church program that had just started up. And I was like, I have no idea what this is, but this employment, go get that. You know, yeah. this is this really shitty gig. Go do that. Right. Then you do whatever you can. And um, you didn't have somebody risking things for you. You just had yourself. Yeah, and people that just needed somebody. And and actually, through some of that accompanying, I was able to get some of the gigs that I did. It's a real tangled web, but it was just like, if I still think I have value, I will scrape at every last crumb to get. Yeah, until it builds into something. And then, then somebody will take your, you know, and, and in that case, that was Nicolette and that was Arcadi. Those are the two people that really took a chance on me during that time. And it paid off. Yeah. I mean, and Arcadi was through a reference by somebody whose name is Debbie. Debbie Austin Totter. I love you, Debbie. Thank you very much. Who gave me that reference. What a name. Debbie Austin Totter. She's, she's great. She she accompanies everybody around here. Uh-huh. And she she actually was just like, oh, maybe you want this one, but Arcadi's kind of tough. You know, you know mm-hmm. try it. So by not being a dick, and I hadn't actually talked to her since... I was in grade school, you know, and I was like, I'm back in the area. I kind of play piano, but I'm looking for work. And she was like, and again, I don't think I was addicted to her at any point. And then she's, she became one of the catalysts to becoming one of these paths that I actually had. Were it not for yeah. Debbie, I would have not met Arcadi. And without Arcadi, I would have never met Chloe, you know. Yeah. It's just one of those those things where you just go like, you spread as many webs of non-dickishness as you can and then something <laughs> well will it's happen. also an important element is you actually put yourself you like actually said to somebody i'm looking for work i mean that that is actually an important thing people don't say sometimes and they're looking for work and they never say i'm actually looking for work. well they're proud they're very yeah. proud you can't be 
that proud. It's just like you're gonna wash dishes or you're gonna accompany somebody. Or I'd rather yeah, accompany I, somebody because a dishwasher doesn't necessarily know how to accompany somebody. No, I mean, and that's another thing is like, I really hope things have changed. But when I was still in DMA, I got asked to accompany everyone because a lot of pianists didn't accompany me. Yes, like they couldn't be bothered doing that stuff because they had to do their solo stuff. And I'll just say, like... I can't do it with this shit. I yeah. play Rachmaninoff. Yeah, and I'll just say this. Like, I got so many connections, um, and I was able to actually get places from a company. Yeah. And so do not shun that at all. Nope. Like, that's the basis of how I supported myself for that year that, after. I mean, that's a lesson from a teacher that I've never had a lesson with, that I'll never have a lesson with, that I remember his advice is... J-Lo, the original Jerome Lowenthal, ah! he was just said, just say yes to everything and find a way to make it work. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. Except that you you might get a stress rash. Well, I already have. A, my, <laughs> my, my beautiful face is now ruined with my stress rashes, but I have oh. work and it's great. You can buy the makeup now, so it's okay. That's true. So you what can I, airbrush your face. So the CD, I want to come, come back around because that was another uh. question that we discussed off air. Oh, that came back, comes back around. So like three years, two years ago, three years ago, there was a trio, piano trio that came from Taiwan. Formosa? Formosa trio. Yeah, or no, no, it's the elite artist trio. They came around. Elite artists. Taiwanese people love the elite artists. My brother was the elite orchestra. Really? So elite elite is a thing. Yeah. So they were coming to do a tour in Texas, uh-huh. some in Dallas, some in Houston, because the pianist actually like did her DMA at Rice. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they came, they stayed at my uncle's place who wasn't in town. So I let them in to my uncle's house, carried yeah. the luggage, did all that stuff. Did not even mention that I was a pianist. But if they wanted to rehearse, <laughs> they could rehearse at my condo because I have a rehearsal yeah. space in my condo. Yeah. So they they ended up rehearsing in my condo. They actually had a really entertaining program done, right? Uh-huh. And so at the end of that rehearsal, they gave me a CD. And I said, oh, if you're giving me a CD, here's the CD that I made back in 2008. And okay. so the pianist of the trio was like, do you have any interest in performing in Taiwan? I was like, Shit. I've never performed in Taiwan. I've always wanted to perform in Taiwan. Yeah. Turns out... This lady, Sherry, who is uh, an absolute angel, mm-hmm. was like, well, I also teach an arts, fucking arts management course in Taiwan. What? And she's a manager to people like Shin okay. Huang. She did a thing for Jimmy Lang back in the day. And like, she worked with a lot of high- Jimmy prof- Lang? Jimmy Lin, sorry. Jimmy Lin, <laughs> Chow Ch- Ling Lin, back in the <laughs> no, day. I know. I know who you're talking about. Sorry. I just wanted to give you shit. I am actually quite tipsy right now. <laughs> oh, good. No, I mean, um, you're full of aphorisms today. So okay. the aphorism is always be nice because you never know how important the person you're being nice to is. Yes, is that exactly. That could work. And okay. so this this Sherry turns out to be a manager. And she was like, send me everything that you have. Send me recordings of this and of this because their applications do to be in the national hall because they do everything bureaucratically, which is like right. you have to pass an audition to have the right. right to rent the hall out. She translated my biography into Mandarin. 
you know, and she, she made That's all these things. She made a case for me saying that like I was Taiwanese American, but I've never played in Taiwan before. She did this, all of this stuff. And then she sent it in. I got into the second tier category of pianists that were allowed or second tier of artists that were allowed to rent out the hall. And she used There's that tiers. as leverage for me to give these master classes and to apply for different halls. How many tiers are there? Three. A, and B, then, C. I mean, what is the percentages? Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. But uh, apparently Lang Lang was also in the B category. Oh, perfect. Right? So you are in the same category as Lang Lang. According to this one study or whatever. So, (laughs) and I'm not sure if this is true. Don't fact check me. I'm not a politician. I'm just saying stuff that I'm saying after about three glasses of whatever. Nobody needs to fact check you. So we've got time for that. (laughs) So so I was allowed into that national hall, national Mm -hmm. recital hall. It looked great. Oh my god! It was it's huge. The the experience of a lifetime, you know. Right. Real ego boosting, but at the same time, it's like that. It validated my parents because yeah. not only does the person involved get a lot of flack for majoring in music, it's like their family is like, oh, so oh, your son. <laughs> you know, it's the same what thing. It's like he's going through rehab. Oh, right. Good luck. You know, it's like, oh, my, my son's a piano performance major. Oh. So the whole idea of this wanting to be in it or like stopping this be a stay-at-home dad or stay-at-home mom sort of thing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Mark said, and he said a lot of really profound things, mm-hmm. but actually this one was, to me, one of the most profound. Well, it was sort of railing against competitions and the idea of competition in music. Right. But his end point was, if you want to do it, in the end, you will do it. It's mm-hmm. not a battle of who's best. It's who just, who wants to do it. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people who were super, super accomplished. Right. Win prizes in major competitions. For one reason or another. Yeah. They stop. Yeah. And they say, this is not for me. Even though I've done all these brilliant things, it's not for me. And they stop. Yeah. And it's totally within their right. And I actually respect them a lot because that's huge. It's been a huge part of your identity for so long. Yeah. And that you're able to say, you know what? I'm going to walk away because there are other things that I want to do with my life. I I think that is so important to actually say because that's the definition of success. Knowing what you want to do and what makes you happy right yeah this is a really tough question are you doing what you want to do or are you doing what other people want you to do yeah i think that's eventually any young growing pianist has to ask himself pretty early on actually like i would say it comes to a head when they're an undergrad depending yeah yeah I mean, when did you have to face that question? Whether what I'm doing is what I want to do or whether I want to do is... Yeah, yeah. The fact that your whole family didn't go into music and you decided to do that. I'm curious. Uh, Okay, so it happened several times. Several times? Several times. So, again, after that vaunted conversation where I told my mom I wanted to go into music and she said, well, you're not good and you don't practice. (laughs) I said, okay, I'm going to practice. Go on. I mean, my mom is the absolute barren of truth and she is always... The negative to my positive, mm. which I mean in the best way possible, because you need to have voices of doubt yeah, to bring you back to earth. It's like that what mean? is good for you versus what will make you feel good what, in the moment. Exactly. And my mom is always delayed gratification. Look at both sides of things. Make sure that it's, you know, mm-hmm. 
you're doing what you need to do. And she's also the accountant for E75. So there you go. Awesome. She's, she's helped a ton. So I actually applied for Indiana, Michigan, you know, uh-huh. and uh, all these other schools. SMU was actually not on my list of schools that I applied for because I already studied with the teacher there. Mm, okay. I got into every school, but I filled out the fucking wrong year on my FAF form. Oh, I think I remember you saying this. And so this is in the infancy of FAF in the internet, right. really, 99-2000, yeah. where I filled out the year that was next year rather than the year that you are in right now. Ugh. And my parents didn't know. They were just kind of like, if you want to major in music, you fill in whatever. We'll give you information, but we're not going to answer these questions. Oh. So I filled out for the wrong year. And so none of the schools that uh-huh. wanted to give me some merit-based scholarship could because they were state schools, couldn't because they had no reliable record of my family's income. Mm. So none of the schools could award me scholarship. Yeah. And so finally on May 1st, decision day, decision day, Dr. Eleni calls me up and is like, so Jonathan, you know, have you decided on schools and or whatever? I was like, well, <laughs> I, f- I fucked up. I fat form uh-huh. and I think I'm going to have to go to the state school and go into business and maybe do music as a minor. And she said, no, you're not. <laughs> Give me 30 minutes. Oh, wow. She calls me back in about 30, 35 minutes uh-huh. and was like, we got you X amount of money. It's cheaper than going to the state school. Yeah. Will you come to SMU? Wow. And so my parents were like, so my dad actually at that point, he's retired now, so I can say all this, <laughs> shit, I think. So he just got denied full tenure, uh, full, full professorship. Ooh. He was already tenured. Uh-huh. He got denied full professorship because there's some guy who had a real political beef with him. Mm-hmm. So he was pissed and he was about to go to ASU as the visiting professor. Oh. And so my mom was going to be home alone oh. for a year as he did this visiting professorship. Uh-huh. And so that just lined up and he was like, okay, I'm leaving for a year. Jonathan, you stay here with your mom for a year. Mm. Get all the liberal liberal arts study you want. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done with your undergraduate, you sowed your wild oats, go get a real job. So it was like a trial period for you. So it was a trial period. Yeah. And I was absolutely overjoyed and thankful for that. And Dr. Lanny was exactly what I needed yeah. during that time, pedagogically as well as whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so she that ended up being a great situation for me. Yeah. And then when I finished my undergrad, I was in the situation where I was like, I have no idea where I want to go. Do I go to grad school? Do I just kind of try to make it myself? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, you are shitting me if you think you're going to go to grad school for music. <laughs> if you don't go to a good music school and you don't do it without a scholarship yeah. that you don't have to take out a loan. I was like, everybody goes, takes out a loan for grad school. They're like, the fuck you are. I mean, that's good advice though. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is advice that as a kid about to graduate, like, but mom, dad, (laughs) it's not fair. It's not fair. Everybody takes out loans. But now that I look at it from this perspective, it's like, God damn it. You guys were absolutely right. And so I I said, people are still paying off their loans now. Like it's crazy. Yes. And that's ruined them. It ruined them for what they could be. Because of their talent versus the financial obligations they have to make. Right. So I, I said, 
okay, well, I'm going to take a year off after undergraduate. I'm just going to do like competitions and like I'll like, kind of like see what it is and maybe I can apply again mm-hmm. and I can find my career. So at that point, I actually took the, uh, what is that, GMAT. That's the business school thing. Oh. I actually studied and I took the GMAT and I actually got a good score. And my parents were like, you should go to business school for grad school. What the hell are you doing wasting your life as a pianist? Yeah. Right. And I was like, uh, you know, okay, whatever. But at the same time, I went to Orford mm-hmm. and I met Mark. Mm. And I was like, God damn, this guy is a genius. I really want to study with him. And Mark was like. I like this little boy. Maybe study <laughs> with me, you know, and you know, we can, we can, you know. And so he was like, if you want to come to Quebec and study, we will make an exemption. So you pay what the Quebecers pay at that, which time was like 2,200 Canadian a year, yeah. which at Peabody was Peabody was another school I applied for, Peabody has which no I didn't know the money. teacher that I wanted to study with. It was like 35,000. Peabody has no fucking money. Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah but they charge a lot of money yeah to so anyway so at that point my parents were like god damn it you called her bluff <laughs> go to canada go to study so this idea of if you want to stay in music you will stay in music mm-hmm. and if you don't want to you don't have to it's also kind of proof that things happen for a reason like a mistake like your fof form <laughs> turn out to be the best God. thing like it, it's really true and i actually work with the teacher i would have studied with had yeah. i had gone and been a minor right it's really funny and i told her that story and she's like yeah a lot of places offer better money <laughs> i was like okay good <laughs> you know i just find um, it kind of it, hilarious that like you couldn't just go and refill out a fourth form when you got into those schools like that's no I, I i went back into the government website and it was like give me that form i need to fill out 99 2000 instead of 2000 2001 and they locked me out and you couldn't just like call up anyone from the school and be like can you pull some no i guess you can't it's a government i'm also lazy oh yeah no and that required so, a phone call I that's have so much social anxiety that. expressing itself right there <laughs> that's what it was and so if anything, my life and my career, whatever it is, however it turns out, is proof that if you stay in it, in some weird, shitty, fucked up way, yeah, it'll work. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's exactly what your life indicates. You work really hard. You expect nothing. Right. You have to expect nothing. And you have to do stuff that you feel that you're... Um, I played at a nursing home where the alarm was going off and people were complaining that it was their day to have their sponge bath. And like, <laughs> you know, two, th- one third of our trio didn't show up wow. to the fucking game. What? All right. Uh, maybe, maybe the biggest lesson is you will get exactly what you want. Yeah. If you want success, you will work your goddamn ass off to get that success. Yeah. And some of you won't. And that's a tragedy. So for you, you're the exception. But for <laughs> for a lot of you, I'm talking to you, motherfucker, by the way. <laughs> if I want to sit at home and smoke weed all day and not do anything and get financed by my parents, that's what will happen. Life works that way. So consciously or subconsciously, whatever you want to happen will happen. But you can't want it in a fake way. You have to kind of want it in a deeper way. Yeah, it's a big internal struggle to figure out what you want, right? Yes. You have to think about it honestly 
but you have to think about it sometimes in a point of crisis right like for you it was yep. a point of crisis wait no you came to the first decision without the crisis well but then there was the lessons with the russian teachers right. and yeah. just like grad school sort of stuff yeah or like yeah exactly getting into grad school that was a point of crisis and yeah. financially and everything so like before we wrap up what are you obsessed yeah. with Gosh, my last two things have been computer builds. Oh, cool. I So I just rehomed my, my computer that I built last year into this computer. And my birthday present for my dad was to build my mom a computer because she was tired of how slow her computer was. Oh, my God. I didn't know you did this. That's actually really impressive that you actually build a computer. Well, I mean, it's I mean, easy you now it. because you have... Sorry. You have Reddit and PC part picker and stuff like that. So, like, hold on. Let me show you this. This is oops, computer that I built. I just see a hand. Me. <laughs> like that thing over there. The red glowing thing? Yeah, that red glowing thing. And it has a case and whatever. Wow. Like, it, so you take you it know, apart I, and you watch YouTube videos and you read the manuals and stuff like that? Yeah, you can, you can watch YouTube videos and you can pretty much figure out how to build a computer with right components or whatever. Yeah. But that's what I did for a little bit. But like my obsession changes. Like, I think this is the uh, epitome of, I'm the epitome of somebody who's ADD, which like, I can't find my focus until I find my focus. And then nothing else exists except that. That's me. That's completely, yeah. That's that's ADD. You just hyper-focus. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually so, diagnosed, and you probably should be too. <laughs> I probably should yeah. be, but I probably... I, anecdotally, I'm pretty much ADD. You yeah. Know? So, like, I won't watch any TV, and then, like, I spent 16 hours straight watch, catching up on Game of Thrones. Yeah, and then you want to read all the forums about it. You want to just, like, talk about it with somebody. You want to digest it. you just, like, all about that. Like Very much yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, I actually, like, had to stop reading or watching things for a while because I can't do work and then there's deadlines. Like, it's just, I have to... Exactly. Yeah. So, so it shifts, mm-hmm. right? The only thing I can do, or one thing that I've learned to do is that, like, if something's about two or three weeks away, I have a recording project that's about three weeks away right now, yeah. that it's like, okay, try to channel this energy that you want to put into this video game to building this computer or to finding out how to build this computer sort of thing into take an hour and work on this piece. Yeah. And then that hour turns into three that sometimes turns into six or seven. Okay. I need you to tell me how you do that because I literally haven't practiced for a week because I've been DIY organizing my entire house. (laughs) Well, that's, that's, I, I wish I could tell you how, but I, uh, I threw out three bags of, of clothes from my closet last night. Yeah. I mean, I donated it. It just went away. <laughs> I mean, like, I just, it, it's because I've convinced myself I can't work without actually having a clean place to work. And it's just been yes. such a shithole. And then it's just all these little corners of junk. And so I have to spend time organizing, but I have to make the compartments to actually organize it. And then I'm like, no, I yes. just want to. Do I have to go to the Dollar General right now and buy a bunch of bins? Or can I just repurpose the shoebox and then I have to, like, put the duct tape all <laughs> over it and, like, make it pretty? And then it literally, like, I don't know where the hours go. Yesterday, I thought it was 9 p.m. and it turned out to be 1 a.m. Like, I was just like, is this, what? Is, is this part of uh, being a musician? Maybe, yeah. I think it might be because we have to pour over insignificant shit so much. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, to, to, to the general public, to 80, okay, 95, 97% of the public, doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I mean, and but you get we tired, just go like, right? if I don't <laughs> like, make this shape exactly correct. Like, yeah. it is like every day, I'm just like, this really bothers me. And then once I get to it, it has to be completely redone. Like, it's just not. It's, yeah. And the thing is, it's like, I'm not trying to deliberately avoid practice or anything. But of course, I feel like fucking guilty now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Burden. No, no, I, I, but it's like. I always feel guilty about not practicing. Yeah. But at the same time, there are things that while I'm practicing will distract me enough that take me away from the bench. Yeah. And I say, let me deal with this thing right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can't just deal with half-ass. You don't do anything half-ass. You might as well not do it at all. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh. Quarter-ass does not, does, not, <laughs> does not help. So my obsession in finale, in conclusion, is whatever I'm obsessing about that day. This is such a um, philosophical answer to just like, are you liking this book today? Like, what are you obsessed about yeah. today? Well, like there's there's something that is in the consciousness of your mind. And there are sometimes like, so I was traveling with Chloe and I had this other stuff happening. And my schedule was so busy that I was not able to exercise my, my ADD. Yeah. Right. And so in my head, there's a lot of competing thoughts like, oh, you should really rehome your computer. You should really reorganize your closet or whatever. Right. So that finally this last week, whenever I have some time off, which I'm really supposed to be preparing for the next thing. Yeah. I'm like, my closet needs to get cleaned. And so (laughs) I was like, I'm going to dedicate a day. Yeah. We're going to clean that closet. You're going to feel so guilty about about not practicing that next week you're going to practice all fucking week yeah i keep on telling myself that's going to happen because this is taking way longer than a couple hours i thought it like but you have to be thir- all week <laughs> like, you have to be thirsty for practice too yeah no i mean that's something that if you're my student don't listen to that you practice every day but you really have to be thirsty for practice yeah and and that's the thing is level. like this year, as a reaction to last year, I've tried to make things more manageable. But as a result, I don't feel the burning axe over the head of you need to practice yeah. that right now. And so I just don't like therefore, I'm not actually fixing the problem because I'm going to wait till it's like desperate. And then I'll practice like 10 hours, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> is is that what being a musician really is? No, let's not just say waiting that until like. That that the, the, the guillotine is actually falling. Well, I wonder if that's because I think we're like eerily similar in the way we think. Like, I think that might be a more ADD thing. And there's a there is a romantic ideal of I have to practice all night because I have to. So when you did the long long video, did you yeah. did you actually like feel pain after a while? No, 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 no. That 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 that's fine. I actually took like three takes after it. <laughs> To make sure that like I had a good one, but that one was the best because it was first and it was genuine. Stephen was in a room, yeah. like it was just like the other ones felt like it was it was kind of over overproduced. Yeah, I think it was the first one where Steve was like, "You know, you got to make a video about that now." And I was like, "Fuck, okay, sit there. I'm gonna set the camera up. Here we go." <laughs> no, but I mean, like the thing that amazed me was the reactions people had to the today the the long long video that yes. they all took it so earnestly. You know, like, like I don't know where does people's sense of humor is. Like, I don't understand. No, 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 no. But that, that, that's that's another thing about living on the internet. Yeah. 
is that everybody has an equal voice. Yeah, yeah. And people who you would offhandedly dismiss as you are crazy, you are fucking nuts, go away, I don't ever want to hang with you. Right. They can just, with a few keystrokes, type out a comment yeah. that will offend you to your very core about something and just put it there and you have no choice but to look at it. And it yeah. just stares you in the face. As equally as somebody who you really ex- respect and admire, their text is up there. Yeah. No, I'm terrified of that, actually. I'm not thick-skinned in terms of internet stuff. Like, you know, I, I've never had, like, huge trollers, but I've had a few comments here and there, and it's just like... Yeah. And then I get really defensive, and I'm just like, this brings out the worst in me. Like, I need to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, I, and, and as a musician, you probably should have a thin skin in a way because you have to be sensitive to what your audience does. But at the same time, there are people, first of all, who don't know what they're talking about. Second of all, yeah. who say stuff just to say stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's all about them. It's never about you on the internet. Oh, yeah. Again, not boo you. Yay me. Yeah. I like that. You know? Did you patent that phrase? No, it's not. It's 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 one of my, it's one of my idols, <laughs> who is actually like really active in podcasting. That I really like what he says. Dan Savage. A lot of the time, not Dan Savage. Although Dan Savage is really cool. Yeah. Um, Adam Carolla. Oh yes, I remember you told me to listen to that. You know, I never he did. Is, he's really good. I mean, like he produces so much content that a lot of it repeats now. Right. But. At his core, I think he says a lot of really good things that offend both sides of the thing. But at the same time, it's just like every man and really, that's really good, solid advice for the most part. Yeah. When he's not trying to be like, I don't know, sometimes he gets a little machismo and he tries to say things one way or another. But he actually has a real nuanced, very thoughtful view of the world. And that's one of the things he said and in terms of him getting screwed over with a contract, which is like, my partner was not trying to fuck me over. He was trying to save himself. It's not boo you. It's yay me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I I need to give him another listen. And actually, I'm going to ask you which podcast you're into right now. Okay, so I listened to about four on the regular. Okay. Aside from... So many wrong notes. Which is the best podcast. <laughs> well, I'll pay you later. So there's Adam Carolla and all the... the Related? The auxiliary ones, yeah. There's Adam and Drew, which is like love line for old people. Oh, I need that. Um, Bill Simmons. Oh, I don't know that at all either. Bill Simmons is a real big uh, sports podcast. And he's really cool about, I love him because he relates a lot of um, sports Mm -hmm. things that are happening in the world with pop culture. Oh, cool. So he's like, well, this, this thing reminds me of this movie back from this day or whatever, that sort of thing. And he's, he's really good at that. Okay. Um, Jalen, Jalen Rose, who was a um, big NBA player. He was one of the fab five, I think in Michigan. Uh Uh-huh. Has a podcast with a guy named David Jacoby okay. on ESPN, which is like, um, David Jacoby is amazing. He made a whole fantasy league. But this is pre- this predates ESPN's one, uh-huh. although it was ESPN. A whole fantasy league based off of The Bachelor and reality TV. That's pretty brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's an amazing mind. Uh-huh. And uh, Dave Damashek. Well, these are all podcasts I've never heard of, so I'm glad I asked you. Yeah, they're they're, they're all sports related, but they're also like sports 
versus pop culture and like relating things that it's a very specialized field that you have to be a real nerd to love right the things that most people have seen which is like that's what we're doing right exactly that's what we're you're, doing you're testing the relevancy of it right and then that and um marketplace with kai rizdal and all that i've stuff. heard of I that just one got that, from, that that one <laughs> is very one. much like and make me smart that one is uh just because i'm interested in um how the stock market affects the way we live yeah oh so do you separate them into because i have like the podcast for um when i am tired and i just want to like listen to something i know will entertain me and then there's the podcast that are like maybe i'll actually get a little nutrition out of this or yeah or something that will teach me something like is marketplace in the teach you something category marketplace is in the one that i want to listen to while i'm awake okay okay oh yeah going to sleep Uh, podcast yeah that's a category and so like you know jalen jacoby bill simmons whatever and sometimes the Adam Carolla one I listen to while I'm taking a nap. Yeah. Because um, I've listened to Loveline forever. And I listen to, you know, and so like you listen to somebody for thousands and tens of thousands of hours. Yeah. You kind of already predict where they're going to go with stuff. Yeah. It's a relationship. Like So you don't really need to, to be there for all of it. Yeah. But once in a while, I'll, I'll listen to it when I'm in the car and something new will pop up and I'll be laughing my head off. Yeah. Like for a little bit. That's. But that happens rarer than usual. <laughs> I mean, like the Going to Sleep podcast are, yeah, definitely the oldest ones I've been listening to. Like Stuff You Should Know are. The Moth. <laughs> no, I don't listen to I story podcasts. Not as much. Cereal. I want to have a good dream oh, God, when I, I go fucking, to sleep. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry, like I just I, I have a very strong view against overproduced podcasts, which is probably why it's like a cop out for like sounding like a piece of shit, basically. But no, I mean, I love conversational podcasts that are just kind of like you go off on tangents, like book fight or like just two people shooting a shit in a, like an intelligent, thoughtful way. But like you would love you would love Corolla and Adam and Drew to a lesser sense. Right. Because they've they they're they're on eight years now of doing their podcast and so they've kind of refined it down to what can sell yeah but when it first started it was so free form yeah i love free form like you know the the podcast stop podcasting yourself right i mean this is like exactly like some people have very strong feelings against that i love it and it's like two hours long yeah you have to follow it to where it goes yeah oh do you listen to judge john hodgman no that's actually a good one let me look that up. It's been all around for a long time. Like, it's entertaining, but it's actually very structured. I feel like we need, like, a ending segment or ending something. That's what Obsessions was supposed to be. Oh, that was what it was? <laughs> then we got over-obsessed with tangents. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> How do you want to wrap it up? Well, when I when I finish my uh, programs for the Clyburn, uh-huh. this is what I usually say. This is... Um, Thank you very much. This is the podcast with Jeanette Fang and and Franny Fran Yoon <laughs> and Jonathan Tsai for today, even though this is only three of us. And we talked about a lot of subjects ranging from career advice to just the life of an everyday keyboardist in today's society. And also how to... And how we came to be where we were. Yeah. That's all the time we have for today. I really hope to be back one day. That's all we have. And we'll see you guys next time. Also, do you have anything you want to show? I forgot to ask that. 
Oh yeah. Okay. So follow me on Instagram. My name is Psycho Kaz. P S Y C H O K A Z. Um, I also have a performing arts series called Ensemble Seventy Five. Ensemble Seventy Five dot com. Um, what else? Um, um, you have upcoming concerts or? Yeah, <laughs> sort of. I'm I'm playing in Missouri in June. Oh, Missouri. I have a little something in April. Um, I will be performing for Blanco Performing Arts in November. I'm really getting up for that one. Cool. That'll be a solo concert. What are you playing? That is like List Ballad and uh, Rachmaninoff Etude Tableau, maybe um, Gaspar de la Nuit or Sweet Bergamasque. I haven't quite decided yet. One of those two. And uh, a suite by a Taiwanese composer named, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher his name, <laughs> Ma Shui Long. Ma Shui Long. That's pretty good. Who is... A, yeah, who's who's actually really a very good composer alongside Jiang Wenye, who is a very good Taiwanese composer, which is the Asian Bartok I talked yes, to you about. Yes, I was gonna ask you. Yeah. Cool. He's his his is really good stuff. Does he have any but, like piano ensemble stuff? Like maybe we could program it. Um, I will take a look. I only have his piano solo stuff. I know he's a concerto, uh a lot of solo stuff, but I can see if he wrote some um piano stuff. But you have to kind of look at his early period. It's kinda of like Schumann. Okay. All right. Schumann, like, I love his earlier stuff more, right, more than his later stuff. You mean before it got too crazy? Before he got married. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's that unrequited or that, that not quite there Angst. love that, that, that produces the best art. Which is probably why we love and, Rob um, so much. Check out Chloe because Chloe will be basically where a lot of my stuff appears on as well or stuff that I collaborated on. Chloe Trevor com or you can find her at chloe trevor underscore violin on instagram and give her all the love you can because you know she deserves it and we've come to the end of this interview i hope you enjoyed it we had a great time as always we're on itunes as so many wrong notes and we're also on facebook same name instagram same name twitter same name without the s talk to you later bye